Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Adult Meets Disney podcast. We're here to bring you an adult-focused, non-biased look on all things Disney, from the parks, to the movies, and much more. If you would like to help us grow the show, please like and subscribe, leave a comment, and tell your friends to do the same. Have a magical day, everyone. Enjoy the show! Hey everybody and welcome to the Adult Meets Disney Podcast. I'm your host Tom and today for episode 3 I'd like to talk about the recent memo from Disney CEO Bob Chapek. Now I know what you must be thinking, this memo came out like weeks ago, why are we talking about it now? It's old news at this point. And yeah, it did come out weeks ago, but, and, and hear me out on this one, I want it to give it time. I want it to give it time to marinate. I want to give it time to settle down and really digest what Bob Chapek is trying to say in this memo as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company and not necessarily the Walt Disney Parks and Experiences Division. But I I think the first thing we have to do is address the giant elephant in the room when it comes to Bob Chapek. And that is that he is wildly disliked. And that's putting it nicely. The the visceral level of disdain that many in the Disney Parks community feel towards Bob Chapek is real. It is very real. And it's for a variety of reasons, all of which are valid. And you probably are familiar with some of those reasons right now. Let's Let's look at them. One, the annual pass situation. Annual passes are now a scarce commodity and their prices are going up. It's akin to what's happened with the Disney Vault back in the day with VHS tapes. And take a guess who was in charge of the Disney Vault and developing that? Bob Chapek. So by making it a scarcer commodity, when they finally do become available again, they'll one, probably be able to increase their prices because of scarcity, and two, everybody's going to want to get them because they're not going to know when they're going to go back into, we'll call it the annual pass vault. What else has happened? Some of the perks associated with staying on Walt Disney World Resort property are no longer around. Things like extra magic hours. Now, yeah, you can have the 30 minutes before park opening to get onto that one extra ride. And that's great. If you can leverage that time to get onto that one extra ride, that is awesome. I've done it before. I will certainly do it again. But unless you're in a deluxe resort, the general perks of being able to go to the parks whenever you wanted, having that extra time, that's gone. And and that's unfortunate for people who cannot afford to stay in the deluxe resorts. The one, though, that really hits me the hardest happens to be the loss of the Magical Express. I mean, when the Magical Express was around, just knowing that once I landed in Orlando, Disney took care of me. I walked down, scanned my Magic Band, hopped on the bus... It took me to where I needed to go. They had that cheesy yet nostalgic movie playing with Gus, the bus driver. And back when they had the, the, the luggage, that was even better. Especially going home. You could check your bag at the resort and then go hang out in Disney Springs, go to the park. When the time finally came, you got on the bus, you went to the airport, you just went on your way. Your bag was completely taken care of. You didn't see your bag again until your baggage carousel at your home airport. It was so convenient. But that is now gone. That is gone. And that's unfortunate because it's that extra layer of magic from the parks that is gone. 
And now I have to pay for mirrors or I have to pay for Uber or for Lyft. And there's a few, there's a few other options that are going to become available soon. And eventually there's, there may be the, the bright line train taking people to Disney Springs, but that's a long way away. So for right now, it's extra money to go to something that's going up in price. And that's unfortunate. But, and this is the big but, people still go. People are still going. All these things that we are, and justifiably, complaining about, people are still going. So I'm sure that Bob Chapek and the people at the higher offices of Disney hear this and go, well, people are still coming, so we can keep doing what we want. And eventually there's going to be a thing that's going to cause Disney to take that step back. There's going to be that thing that people negatively respond with their wallet and say, no, no, like that is the line. And right now, that line looks like it very well may be the Star Wars Hotel, the Galactic Star Cruiser. There are serious drops in reservations for the Galactic Star Cruiser, and that was several thousands of dollars per reservation. And that's a lot of money that Disney's going to be losing. So it very well may be that people saw what was happening with Star Cruiser and said, no, 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 no. That's the line. That's the line we are not going to go over. So we'll see how Disney responds with all of this. But all that said, I don't know how much of this we can lay at the feet of Bob Chapek. Yes, he is the CEO and he was the CEO when all of these changes went into effect. And as the CEO, you know, the buck stops somewhere. So he ultimately bears the responsibility but was it his call? Or was it the call of somebody under him? Somebody like Josh DeMauro? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. But those are justifiable concerns that people have. But also remember, those are justifiable concerns over the park. The Walt Disney Company is a lot more than just the park. There are a ton of entities in the Walt Disney Company. And that brings us to this memo that came out weeks ago. And what this memo first reads to me as is... Here is the strategic vision of the new leadership. Because there's a few things we have to remember. One, at the time that this memo was published, Bob Iger, former CEO, is gone. He is no longer at the Walt Disney Company. Additionally, Disney has a new chairperson of the board. So the top two power positions are new people. The old, we can call it regime, is gone. And here comes the new vision for the future. And I say vision, that's just my word for it. How Bob Chapek describes it in this memo. And by the way, I got this memo from The Hollywood Reporter. Bob Chapek uses the term pillar. And pillar is a rather interesting word to me because he could have picked any word. He could have picked strategic vision. You know, he could have picked principles. He could have picked core values. All, you know, CEO talk but no, he chooses the word pillars. And that, that to me says that these are structurally integral. When you think of a pillar, you're thinking of something that if it fell, the whole house, the whole building would collapse. They are integral to the support and the longevity of that, that structure, that entity. So in this case, these three pillars that he lays out are vital to the structural integrity of the Walt Disney Company as he sees it. And I think that's something that during the last weeks when I was really thinking about this memo really stuck in is that it's the pillars of the Walt Disney Company, not the Walt Disney Parks division. 
So the first one here that he talks about is storytelling excellence. And it's it's rather lengthy, so I don't need to read the whole thing. But the, the part that stood out is here. It says, I, so I is in Bob Chapek, am establishing a new standing monthly meeting with our senior executive leaders to discuss the opportunities we face as a storytelling enterprise. This will encourage collaboration, sharing of best practices, and stimulate cross-studio ideation. So what he's going to do is he's going to throw everybody into a room and say, okay, start talking. Now, maybe that's what was happening before, but I would guess not, because why would he put it in here if this was already happening? So quite possibly what was happening before was that the head of some division would come and talk to him or some group of higher-up execs and throw out their ideas. But now, they're all going to be in the same room together. So this could be, we'll, we'll use the films as an example, this could be the people in charge of Disney uh, Animation, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, all in one room, throwing ideas back and forth. That's healthy competition. A healthy competition is good, and I believe it would be healthy competition, honestly, for two things. It would be healthy competition for, one, bragging rights. Who wouldn't want to have the most, you know, slam-dunk, amazing idea that's out there? Would I want to, if I'm the head of Marvel, do I want to make my idea sound better than the head of Pixar's or the head of Lucasfilm? Yeah, I totally would want to do that. But also, it's competition for what's probably going to be power, money, funding, all from the top. So if I want to one-up the people across the table from me to try to get more power, funding, and money... I'm, I'm certainly going to do that. So this tells me that there's going to be more opportunities to get people into a room, spur healthy competition. And I think healthy competition would be good. Cross-studio ideation is another good one to me. And ideation is, is the word he uses. I read it as pollination. Cross-studio pollination. When we think about the stories in, in the, the Disney history that really stand out, at least recent Disney history... The ones that are were, were like lightning in a bottle. You're thinking things like Frozen, Moana, Avengers. Things that have had the ability to pull in a ton of box office money, but then also drove people to the park. Because once Frozen came out, everybody was wondering, when is Frozen going to be in the park? And then it became a ride and a meet and greet in Epcot. And to this day, Frozen Ever After still has a ridiculous weight to it. We're seeing the same thing with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy was a was a big box office draw, and Marvel itself, the MCU, big box office draw, now it's happening in the park. They're dragging it into the park. So there's more opportunity here, not just for creative storytelling in film or on Disney+. Plus. There's opportunities for better storytelling in the parks, but there's opportunities for better cross-pollination between the films and Disney+, Plus and the parks. And if people go into the parks, what that ultimately will mean is that people will start buying more stuff. The merchandise end of things goes up. Look, how many people bought Baby Yoda when The Mandalorian came out? It's everywhere. What he's telling me here is that he wants to have more of that. He wants to have the, the films and Disney Plus feed more into the parks, which will generate revenue from ticket sales, but will also generate revenue from merchandise sales. So this is an effort to try to get everything to go up, the rising tide that brings up all boats. Now, I'm not saying that's because the films were bad. Recent films are bad or not performing well. Recent films have been good. Their box office maybe not have been the best, 
especially when you compare some of the films that came out in 2021 to some of the big heavy hitters that came out in the past, going back, Frozen, Moana, Avengers, Endgame, things like that. When we look at a lot of the films this year, one, several of them were direct ports to Disney+. Plus. So looking back at 2021, something like Luca was a direct port to Disney+. Plus. And even when we look at 2021 in terms of box office, a movie that's rather recent, a movie such as Encanto. Encanto doesn't do very well in terms of box office revenue. It goes over to Disney+, Plus and it just goes gangbusters. Like, everybody is talking about it, and it's a fantastic movie. The, the, the songs, Lin-Manuel Miranda's music, unbelievable. It has surpassed Let It Go. It's a wonderful film with a tremendously positive response. But it didn't do well at the box office. Even a lot of the cash cows, which for Disney recently have been the Marvel movies, had not had the year that, say, 2019 or 2018 had when you had movies like Black Panther and Infinity War and Endgame come out. Now, we also we understand, one, that movies like Infinity War and Endgame were hyped for years. Two, some of the films that came out last year for Marvel, in particular Shang-Chi and Eternals, were new characters. There were characters that people were not familiar with, unlike the Black Widow movie, which everybody knew who Black Widow was. Those films, though, did not generate that lightning in a bottle that some of the prior MCU films did. Now, they were good movies, but they did not generate that type of revenue. Now, you might be thinking, well, what about Spider-Man? Spider-Man is making money hand over fist, but... Spider-Man is a Sony property. It's not a Disney property, at least in full. Disney Disney will get a cut of Spider-Man, but not all of Spider-Man. And even when we look at some of the Disney Plus series, you know, The Mandalorian got a ton of credit, but some of the more recent ones, like Book of Boba Fett, is not getting the love that Mandalorian got. Even some of the Disney Plus shows relative to Marvel were getting modest responses compared to what some of the hype had been. Now we'll see what things are going forward, but this tells me here that Bob Chapek wants to have more of that, we'll call it corporate synergy, between the films, Disney Plus, and the parks. Use the films to tell awesome stories through healthy competition with studio execs to feed into the parks to drive up ticket sales and to drive up merchandise, which as a CEO is something that I would hope he would do. The second pillar that he describes is innovation. And the the part that stands out here is we should be especially innovative as we seek to bring stories to life in new ways, particularly if they enhance what many call our, in quote, franchise ecosystem, which is one of the things that sets us apart. So it's innovation in how we tell stories and how we bring stories to life. And this does feed into the first one of cross-pollination to bring about good storytelling, It's not just we're going to tell good stories, it's how are we going to tell good stories. And I'm really excited for the how are we going to, maybe not tell, but continue to tell good stories. Disney's always been good at telling stories. And that's both with the films and with the parks. A lot of the attractions in the parks tell good stories. You think of something like Pirates of the Caribbean. Great story there. Expedition Everest. Another really good story through the queue and the attraction itself. But what I think is actually really interesting is how he tries to leverage technology into all of this. 
And I think that they're going to now start looking at this and going, okay, over the last two years, there has been a serious transition in terms of our audience in how they perceive entertainment. We've all been streaming. Streaming has been everything. A lot of us have had nothing else to do over the last two years except really get involved with things like Disney Plus and Netflix. So how can they better leverage technology to become good storytelling? And I think that this doesn't necessarily just mean the streaming side of things. I think this means how can they incorporate new and cutting-edge technology into all aspects of the Disney brand. So I think this means the parks. How can they bring some technology into the parks to update their storytelling? I don't mean replace. I don't mean get rid of rides and replace them with something new and just slap an IP on it. I think when we think of technology in terms of the parks, the Disney park that stands out the most is Shanghai. We have all seen the rides on YouTube from the from Shanghai Disney. And yes, we're getting Tron. Eventually. Eventually we will be getting Tron in Disney World. But the ride that really stands out to me, at least the ride technology, that stands out to me strongly from Shanghai is their Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Now, I'm not saying we should bring that particular Pirates ride to Disneyland or to Walt Disney World. Those two pirate rides are classics. There would be uproar if those rides went away. But what I'm saying is, why can't we bring that type of ride technology back here and incorporate some type of either IP or news story into it? There is cross-pollination. There is incorporating technology. So I think there's an opportunity there. Another area where I see that there could be opportunity to incorporate technology into the storytelling process at the park is through the use of augmented reality. When we think back to augmented reality in terms of gaming, Pokemon Go, what a, su what a success and sensation that was. And we've already seen uh, augmented reality in terms of the amusement park industry with the Mario Kart ride at Universal Japan. So there's plenty of opportunity to develop some type of attraction or experience through an augmented reality lens. Now, they're kind of doing that with some of the Genie Plus things, but I'm talking a true attraction that can be built at one of the parks. Now, when this can happen is, is a mystery. I mean, this could be 10 years away, but the opportunity for it is there. There's one other area where I happen to feel that this innovative storytelling through technology can come into play. And I feel that's with Cruise Line. When we look at the cruise industry right now, take COVID out of it. When we look at the cruise industry, it is becoming a, an arms race, a one-up. There are ships out there that have roller coasters on them, or you know, skydiving, or go-kart tracks. You know, a mini golf course and a basketball court is nothing anymore. So we know that Disney is bringing out the Wish... And there are supposedly two more ships coming out behind that. I'm really curious as to what type of innovative storytelling via technology they can use on the Wish or on any of the subsequent ships that will help them be more of a standout in the cruise line industry when you have to go up against Norwegian or Royal Caribbean or Carnival. So I think there's a lot of opportunity here to bring in technology in an innovative way from the home with streaming services to the parks with bringing in new technology to the cruise lines with bringing in technology and innovative storytelling there. So a lot of opportunities for cross-pollination. There's that cross-pollination again. The last one that really does stand out to me 
is a relentless focus on our audience. And this, this one, at least to me, this reads like he's bringing down the hammer. Like this is the massive culture change one. The first two ones, cross-pollination of storytelling and a healthy competition amongst studio heads. That's awesome. We're going to get great stories. Not that we haven't gotten them before, but we're going to get potentially even better ones now. Innovation, that's awesome too. What company does not want to innovate? Innovate or die. That's a lot of business. But this one, this one speaks to culture. This one speaks to how things were done and how he envisions things to be done moving forward. So I actually want to read this one in its entirety because it's just that impactful. So it reads, We are a big company with many constituents and stakeholders, all of whom have a place in our decision making. But at the end of the day, our most important guide, our North Star, is the consumer. Right now, their behavior tells us and our industry that the way they want to experience entertainment is changing, and changing fast thanks to technology and the pandemic. We must evolve with our audience, not work against them. And so we will put them at the center of every decision we make. Wow, that is a statement. And let's let's dissect this actually line by line to see why this is such an impactful statement. So first off, he says, we're many constituents, stakeholders. Everybody has a place in our decision-making. Good. That's how it should be. Everyone, no matter your position, should have an input, some type of feedback into how the company goes forward. That's why you have a board. That's why you have key internal and external stakeholders. This is how good business should be done. I'm happy to see that this is not a dictatorship. This is everyone gets their say. And I think that's important. But at the end of the day, it says our most important guide, our North Star. There's another good usage of words, like, like Pillars was. North Star, something that is historic, immovable, has, has such an impact on the development of our world. He relates that to the consumer, which means that in his eyes, the consumer is infallible. It is immovable. It is, it is something by which the, the next hundred years of the Walt Disney Company will be developed upon and nothing will ever change its position in terms of their eyes. That is such a strong word to use in this case. And the other part of this that really stands out is that we must work with our audience, not work against them. That to me says that at some point, somebody or somebody's was actively working against the audience. Now, it's up to you what you think working against the audience means. I, I, I have no idea. But it would mean, to at least theoretically, that you were doing something that was not what your consumer wanted you to do. Which is just bad business. Like, how would you make money doing something like that? So everything will be made with what the individual who's going to purchase our product, our entertainment our experience, our storytelling, our innovative technology, we're going to make decisions for what they want. Now, some people might call that fan service, and it is, to a point at least, but fan service makes for good profit. And that's what the Walt Disney Company is. It's a for-profit business. So it's going to do everything it can to try to make money. Now, when I take this all in its entirety, what this says to me is... I'm setting out a new course of action for the Walt Disney Company. Now, yes, there's a lot happening with the parks that is unfortunate. 
And I really do hope that one day a lot of these changes improve. Things like Magical Express come back and that the Disney parks become more affordable so that people from all walks of life will be able to go and experience a Walt Disney World or a Disneyland or whatever Disney park you want to go to vacation experience. Because everybody should have the chance to do that. It is so magical. It is such a wonderful opportunity to be able to go and everyone should have the chance to do it. I hope one day some of these barriers that are being put in place that will keep some people away, and that is highly unfortunate, some of those barriers will go away and the parks will become more accessible. This memo, though, doesn't read towards the park, at least in terms of pricing. This reads towards the entire company. This reads towards, I want the films to feed into the parks. I want Disney Plus to feed into the parks. And I want people to come and then purchase things at the parks or at Disney stores or on Shop Disney that are being seen in the films and on Disney Plus and in the parks. That's what this is reading to me. He wants to make this a wholesale approach to corporate synergy and maximizing profit. At the end of the day, keeping the consumer first and foremost. Give the people what they want. That's what this is saying. Now, the proof of giving people what they want will truly be in the pudding. Will this actually come true? Will this be people do, in fact, get what they want? And I know most people are going to say, well, that's in terms of the parks. Will people get what they want at the parks? Things like Magical Express back, things like decreased tickets. I kind of doubt it, but hopefully one day that happens. And it's not to say that people didn't get what they wanted with the films or with the Disney Plus releases in 2021 either. The films and Disney Plus releases were, for the most part, good releases. They just weren't profitable or they didn't draw enough subscriptions to Disney Plus that they were intended to be. Again, look at some of those films that came out in 2021. The biggest one that stands out, Encanto. Wonderful message. So many people are seeing things through different lenses, seeing family dynamics and their places in families through different ways, and it has probably helped a ton of people by seeing things in those ways. When we look at some of the Disney Plus shows that have come out, yeah, some of them may not have lived up to the hype, but that doesn't mean that they were bad. Shows like Hawkeye, great show. Loki, awesome character development. WandaVision, tremendous discussion on grief and the processing of grief and the handling of grief. So these shows weren't bad. They just didn't live up to the hype. So the proof is going to be in the pudding. Will things get better? And my hope is that they do. I hope that we're in for a better year ahead for better storytelling, more technology, and giving the audience what they want to generate the most amount of buzz around the Walt Disney Company. So those are my thoughts around the most recent memo from Disney CEO Bob Chapek. If you liked what you've heard, please like and subscribe to the Adult Meets Disney podcast and leave a comment with your thoughts on the memo from Bob Chapek. I want to thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, have a magical day, everyone. Bye.